Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another episode of Stappy Snippets. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely ghoul friend, Jessica. Hey. Ooh, I liked that. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be really weird, and I did it. It worked. It worked. So today, we are here going to talk about the Hollywood Ripper. But before I dive into that, we have a special announcement. We did our drawing for the Golden State Killer book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, today. And our winner is our friend, Jessica. So, Jessica, reach out to us and we'll make sure we have the right info so we can get that book on its way to you. So, congrats. Woot, woot, woot. Yay. We'd like to prime it to you. So Yes. Yes, we're yeah. going to Amazon Prime that shit. So, make life easier. Okay, so we are going to dive into the Hollywood Ripper murders today. This is not a current case. This happened a while ago, but it will tie into current times, as you will see as we go along today. Truth. Very current, actually, especially in our timeline that we're recording this. So, Michael Gargiulo, also known as the Hollywood Ripper, he'd actually be responsible for the deaths of three young women and the attempted murder of one other woman. So we're going to start in 1998. Michael had moved from Glenwood, Illinois to Los Angeles, California. There's speculation that he did such a drastic move because he was trying to avoid the scrutiny of a murder of Patricia Pacquio, age 18. And if I'm saying her last name wrong, I do apologize. Patricia had been murdered late in the evening on August 14th in 1993 after she had returned from a night out with some friends. And the sad thing about this, besides, of course, her being murdered, was that her father was actually the one to find her stabbed to death the next day outside of their home. And I just have to point out, moving away from the cops, like across the country when you're a suspect, that's kind of, that's kind of got guilty written all over it. Just saying. Just a smidge. Julie, I'll be out. Just a tad. A little bit. So on February 21st of 2001, he would actually claim his, depending on how you look at it, I'm going to say second, but for the California victims, this was his first victim here, and is also the most talked about victim. Her name was Ashley Ellerin, and she was age 22. So on this day, he stabbed Ashley 47 times in the bathroom of her home in Hollywood, California. With that alone, that's hugely gruesome because that is a insane amount of times to stab somebody. 47 times? Yes. That's like you have to keep trying. Exactly. She had to have already been dead. One would hope. Right? Just to stop the suffering. But on top of the stab wounds, she had other injuries as well. That included a neck wound that's described to have basically severed her head off and also deep punctures to the chest, stomach, and back. And then these wounds were extremely gruesome as well. Some of them were up to six inches deep. 
oh my God, the violence of this. Right? It's fucking insane. A quote from Detective Tom Small was that one stab wound was, quote, actually penetrated the skull and took out a chunk of skull like a puzzle piece. So it like popped it right out like Jesus. Oh my God. Like fucking crazy. Oh my God. Brutal as shit. Brutal as shit. Right? Now, the reason she's the most talked about isn't because of this. It's actually because she was supposed to go on a date with a certain celebrity that night. And that celebrity was Ashton Kutcher. So if you've seen stuff in the news lately about him testifying against a serial killer, this is the case. Ashton said he went over to pick her up at about 1030 or so that night. But when he was knocking on the door and ringing the bell, nobody answered. So he's like, hey, what the hell? So he went around and tried to open the door, but it was locked. So then he looked through a little window to kind of like peep in, you know, to kind of be like, hey, like, hey, what are you doing? Let's go. And a quote from L.com during his testimony, it said, I saw what I thought was red wine spilled on the carpet, Kutcher testified. But that wasn't alarming because I went to her house party days before and it was like a college party. I didn't think much about it. Officials believe that by the time Kutcher arrived at Ellerin's home, she had already been stabbed to death in her bathroom. Kutcher testified that he, quote, just assumed she had gone out with friends and bailed, which, it, like I said, it was 2001. So they were in their early 20s because they were around the same age. You know, she was 22 and he's roughly the same. I don't remember how old he is now, but, you know, so would have made sense for that to happen. If you'd like to read more on that, we are going to have a... New thing going on. We're going to have little kind of blog posts with all of our sources and everything. And this article, along with everything else I'm referring to and using my research, will be on there for you. So go check it out. Yay! (laughs) So some time would pass before he moved on to his next victim. So we're going to jump ahead to December 1st of 2005. So Michael would actually stab his neighbor, Maria Bruno, and she was age 32. She was stabbed to death 17 times in her home in El Monte, California. That's still an insane amount of times to be stabbed. It's like this dude had so much rage in him. Mm-hmm. So her body was, of course, mutilated, as to be expected. Maria was actually found by her estranged husband, Irving Bruno. Um, I'm assuming, you know, they were separated or something because some articles said ex-husband and some said estranged. So I'm just guessing they were separated. But he found her in a pool of blood and her breast implants were cut out. And then her nipple was actually left covering her mouth. What the flying fuck? Yeah, just brutal, brutal, brutal. Took his time, did some fucked up shit. But the last victim, we would fall under the same pattern of it'd be a few years gap before he honed in on the target. But this time he would not succeed, thankfully. He had attempted to murder Michelle Murphy, who is age 26, another neighbor of his, in her home in Santa Monica on April 28th of 2008. She had fought back and was thankfully able to survive. This crime scene would actually be where the police would be able to collect DNA evidence that linked them back to Michael. They had found a blue surgical booty with blood on it. It had Michelle's blood, but he had worn these on his shoes because convenient. He was an AC repairman. So the defense tried, (laughs) the defense, Jesus Christ, they tried to argue that he must have dropped it and the killer stepped on it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I not believe you. Yeah, no. So then uh, Michael was arrested on June 6th of 2008 by the Santa Monica PD. And then on July 7th, 2011, the Cook County State's attorney charged him with the first degree murder of Trisha Pacquiao. So we're getting all the murders that he fucking deserves to be charged for. So something else to add here, which is weird as fuck and 
I'm sure they're probably going to look into, I don't know, I know you know the logistics of the trial and all this stuff a little bit better than I do. So anyway, Michael allegedly told authorities that, quote, just because 10 women were killed and his DNA was present doesn't mean he murdered anyone. So obviously this means like there's probably more than just these couple victims out there and everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, Because there's like four? Yes, there was three in California and then the one in Illinois right. in the early 90s. So yeah, so there's possibly seven more in California. Oh. So I hope if like, you know, it's a possibility they anything that fits his MO in that time frame in that area, they kind of look at, you know what I mean? I'm shook. Like, who does that? Who just is like, just because it's like, no, just because you have my DNA Mm. doesn't mean I was there and did it. Okay. Is he going to be like one of those people who are like, no, I had a bloody nose on a park bench and she walked by and stepped on my tissue. I don't know. People are weird. Who the fuck knows? So a pretrial hearing was held on June 29th in 2017, and then they had scheduled his trial to begin on October of 2017. Of course, there was a bunch of delays and all of that shit. So really, his trial didn't begin until May 2nd of this year, so 2019. This would also be, like I kind of briefly went over earlier, when Ashton Kutcher would testify. That article I mentioned earlier has a little bit more. And then if you go on YouTube, you can find plenty of stuff kind of covering that a lot more. Like, I'll just be honest. There's a lot that kind of like, I don't want to say, because of course, he's not trying to overshadow anybody. He's just trying to do his part to make Mm -hmm. this fucker fry. But because he's a celebrity, that's the media magnet, you know? So if you, if anyone's interested, you can go fucking find it. But I didn't want to concentrate on that. Well, it's a a good thing, though, because it's anytime a celebrity lends their voice So something positive and people tend to care more. True. Luckily, the prosecution wasn't really relying on that DNA from the booty as much as they were just trying to prove like the similarities in all the attacks to link Michael to the murders because the MO he had, they described him of stalking and then also described him as thrill killing his victims. For real. Yeah. Which if he stalked them, then it would make sense for the gap because then he would need some time to watch them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And learn their behaviors, learn their schedules, things like that. So, of course, the defense went with, well, Michael wasn't the only DNA to pop up on the crime scene, which no, he wasn't. Fact. Ashley and Maria had male visitors prior to when they were murdered. But, of course, the police knew that and talked to those guys and they were cleared. They didn't kill them. Michael did. So throw that shit away. Right, right. Because that was an interesting similarity, though, the prosecution dug in more. So like I said, he would stalk his victims. But it's also said that he wanted to choose women who were outgoing and lived by him. So makes sense that two of them were neighbors. And by stalking them, he'd be able to plan his attacks around the time they'd have encounters with other males, assuming his thinking was that basically the other males DNA and stuff like that would help you know, throw off that there's a possibility it might be somebody else because people would automatically, it's going to assume it's whoever they were last with kind of thing. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But again, thankfully, this did not work. Then they, the defense tried to explain that he had some type of like mental disorder and essentially blacked out and wasn't able to remember. And so he like did it without knowing and all this other crap. But that didn't really work out too well for them either. That's like what it's like. No, I I totally did kill those people, but I blacked out and I have no idea what happened. It's like, but you still did it and you're a danger to society. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Then we are 
Now back to current times. Just last week on August 15th of this year, Michael was found guilty of two counts of first degree murder with the special circumstance allegations of multiple murders, which may make him eligible for the death penalty, actually. So along with this, he was also convicted of one count of attempted murder and attempt to escape. By the time you're hearing this, the sentencing phase of the trial should be underway or even done, unless there's any other delays or anything like that. That's actually set for in our time tomorrow for August 20th. Mm-hmm. So if I if there's anything ready to go by Thursday when you guys are hearing this, I'll link that in the show notes for you for the final update so you can read that if you would like to. And once the sentencing is finished, he is going to be extradited back to Illinois to face his first degree murder charge relating to Trisha's death. If he's convicted there in Illinois, he'll get a sentence of 25 years to life on top of that. So, yeah, that is the kind of roller coaster of the Hollywood Ripper. It's like crazy. The amount of violence this man, it's it's like it's mind boggling. Right. It's insane. The fact that he stalked his victims, like, this isn't, like, this is what's weird. It's not, like, one of those killings where maybe it was a lover who cheated on him and he's aggressive. This is someone who stalked someone and then overly violently killed them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's just, it's even creepier because it's like he was an AC repairman. So who knows, like, you know, they could have hired him and he's been in their home and things like that. So it just makes it even more like, oh, chilling, you know. That is the MO of some serial killers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They get jobs like that for convenience for their shit. Mm-hmm. So kind of a quick one this week. It's a good one, though. It's a good one. Pretty current. Uh, so I wanted to bring that to the table this week for you guys. And again, we wanted to say congrats to Jessica for winning the I'll Be Gone in the Dark book. And we have a Halloween giveaway going on. You can hop over to our socials to check that out. The entry for that is just joining our Spookster Club at our one, two, five, or $10 tiers. So yeah, and you get a box of goodies from us for Halloween. Yay! goodies hell yeah super fun all right guys well we will go ahead and sign off and see you on monday have a good day toodles bye